You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast for students, graduates, and anyone else interested in ideas. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. Uh, so this is kind of a sequel to our alcohol and sobriety episode. Drinking to electric boogaloo. Yeah, we're hitting the drink hard now tonight already. Oh, yeah. On, a, oh, on, yeah, a, on another windy beers. <laughs> two beers until phrenesis. Yeah. Just two more. The pub and drinking. Are, I think that they're such important elements of culture. Like it's things we have to you know, deal with every day, but they're usually neglected from kind of uh, more considered conversation. So basically, you're know, trying to focus more on the idea of like the actual pub because the last time we were mostly just talking about the, the psychology and stuff involved with uh, drinking and staying sober and those kinds of things. Uh, but like more specifically, the idea of like the old English pub, I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, we had a bit of a debate afterwards about what a pub is. Mm. What is the difference between like a pub and a bar and the whole nomenclature there? I, th- I think you consider it to be, it has to have some kind of historical or element to it where it's or it's been around for a certain amount of time mm. whereas i think it, i personally think it's more of an aesthetic thing i think it's yeah. more I, what it looks I'm like not, that's, that's something i was thinking about today i think the aesthetic is is like a big giveaway but i think it goes deeper i think it has to it has to have some relationship with heritage or community because mm. to me a bar is very like um functional it's yeah. like uh, you go into it and like it sounds more lively doesn't it yeah because i've 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 been to lock-ins in like a normal pub and I've been to lock-ins in a bar, and they're very different. And I think that's that's like one of the most telling things. So we'll talk about lock-ins in a bit later. But um, basically, in a lock-in in a pub, it's like this nice, friendly atmosphere, and you you know regulars and things. And it's there's all the little the terminology and stuff that you don't see in a bar. And there's all these elements I just think are really interesting. I think we've lost a lot of those kind of mm. pub elements, and they're, they're getting harder and harder to recognise. Yeah. I think part of the difficulty I have though is is where especially you know with the aesthetic and all of that it's like if so if you walked into somewhere that looked like a pub it had locals it had everything else but it didn't have the history mm. see, well, no- i see that's the difference here whereas i would say that's still a pub even if it even if it was only around for like 30 years but it was in every way sort of like an english pub and it had its locals it had its thing um you would say that's a bar or would you say that's i'd say pub? it was like a gastro pub i'd say it was okay. trying to I, I think an actual pub it's i think it's more this sort of ineffable uh, essence that it's more like experiential you know you you know you're in a pub when you feel like you're in a pub and i think it's it's somewhat subjective but i think to me a pub is somewhere where i kind of have a way in i know know the people who work there and it's and it has some of that more old worldly sort of uh those elements that, that kind of feeling but yeah I, th- I think i think generally those those are getting harder and harder to recognize you know um, it's like like pub games and stuff. We don't have that anymore, and I think there's there's a lot of blurring going on with a lot of like gastro pubs, like I was saying, and bistros and see, different restaurants, yeah, and, diversifying into food and all the rest. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, I think the prerequisites sort of pretty loose because a, well, a pub is not just an abbreviation for a public house, so it could, it could really kind of be anywhere that sort of has a license to sell alcohol, even though more traditionally associated with the warm kind of fire in the corner, mm. couple mm. of blokes and their dog, effectively. Yeah. Whereas a bar sounds something a bit more metro-cosmopolitan. Generally, it's kind of more open space, a lot of mm. people doing shots and stuff. And I think it's the yeah. it's the feeling of, like, one is a business, the other one, okay, sure, it's still a business, but it 
I'm not getting that vibe. And yeah. it's almost like a commercial village hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, but it's like, like part of the way they're trying to sell me what I want is by not being very explicit about trying to sell me what I want. You know, mm. it's like they're kind of, kind of hiding their intentions, but in a good way. Uh, in a pub, you know, it's like dodgy bloke selling a dragon's egg in the corner. <laughs> yeah, in a pub, but not not in a bar. You wouldn't. I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> I should not have said that. I think that if you've um, uh, ever um, been to like a speakeasy though in like uh, America, I take it you, you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we mentioned the prohibition on the last podcast and talked a bit about that and speakeasies and the, the rise of all that sort of happening. So you said you've been to one of these. Well, ex speakies, I guess, yeah, as it used to be. I'd say there's a lot of heritage and history there, and I'd say mm. um, not all bars. I, th- I think in the UK, because we have pubs, there's such a clear difference between a pub and a bar. Whereas in America, it's all bars, mm. and I guess that's. I guess maybe we're getting into semantics now, but like I think um, you can still go to bars. That I've got that kind of homely feel. So I think sometimes the lines are a little bit blurred. Absolutely, yeah. It just depends on the management and the kind of business model they have, I think, really. And mm. I think most bars we have in the UK are quite modern, whereas in America they've always had bars. So some of the bars are actually really old. And I guess then you could argue mm. that that's their equivalent of a pub. But I think it's not quite as clear-cut as just like kind of bar, pub. No. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely some blurring. So in, back in the day... You'd know a pub when you saw it because, you know, they, you wouldn't have any lager. You'd have just kegs on the back wall and they'd serve it directly from the tap. You wouldn't have like a cellar with the lines come through. Oh, okay. Talking to some of the regulars who kind of remember that kind of thing, and it's really interesting. This guy, he his first pint he ever bought, and he was like 16, um, it was 11 pence. Like the old currency as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. They've been shillings and shit. Yeah. yeah. The, they used to have a very different setup then, so it was like barrels... Mm. Yeah, about bar- just in from just, just barrels behind the bar. Yeah, um, and you didn't have lagers. The first lager to come in, do you know which lager it was? And do you know when it came uh, in? Go for something obvious, but it's probably not going to be. I'm going to say well, kind of like Carlsberg Foster's, but it's not. It's, it's a Budweiser. Not flavors, yeah. is it? Mm. <laughs> no, flowers isn't a lager. <laughs> oh, it's a fucking it's a it's a fucking bitter with loads of bits in it. <laughs> or at least the one it's I got had bits was. of dandelion in it. It's mate. quite it's nice. Quite a nice bitter actually. Uh, no, it's Heineken. Mm. Oh, that was the first. And do you know when it came in? Maybe around the war, maybe? I don't know. 16. Uh, maybe no, yeah. January, I don't know. More modern? Yeah. 78? Yeah, no? 78. Okay. Oh, wow. So nobody. That was, that was fluke, <laughs> you knew the answer, you dickhead. <laughs> no. I don't know, maybe 78. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, throw him yeah. Off. I'll throw him off by saying 60. No, yeah. 78. No, I'll tell you the pub as well. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting a name here. <laughs> The crusty juggler. Yeah, <laughs> <You're> from... <laughs> yeah so... Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Heineken was the first one to come. And, uh, yeah, before that, people didn't... Pubs, pubs just didn't have lager. Just and seems... so, you, so you, I remember you talking to me about this before, about the whole thing that people did not drink lager at all, and there was, like, no such thing of it. So how did it take over? Why why did it lager just suddenly take, take because, over the pubs? Because um, it was getting more popular elsewhere. And obviously the problem with having loads of bitters is that they can go off a lot quicker and there's lo- it's basically a lot more easy to maintain. So as soon as people got a taste for lager, every pub would have it because it was just, it was just so much easier to, to use. And it took off so quickly, in fact, that camera, so that's campaign 
uh, for uh, real, ale. real ale. Yeah, uh, was founded in 1978 to to oh, try right, to, to protest yeah. against Lager. Because they were just like, oh my fuck, they got scared. They got shit scared straight away. They were like, right, okay, we can't let lager. And now, yeah, you you can't really get a lot of these bitters and milds and uh, even even real ale mm. in a lot of places. They're I think still, real, real yeah. ale is having a little bit of a comeback. Like there's festivals and things. So. Yeah. Lager doesn't really have quite as strong as a taste as most beers as well, I find, usually. Yeah, it's just inoffensive, isn't it? It's, and it's, yeah. it's pressurised, it's like, the, the main difference is it's gassy. So, yeah, no, you'd never heard of, you've never heard of camera before today. No, I haven't heard of them. No. no, okay, so, basically, it's like a ale club, so it just, and, and it's still going today, and, it, and, it's, and it's pretty big. We get a lot of camera people in our pub, um, but basically, it's like a, like a social group. And I've got kind of mixed feelings about it because obviously, like we were saying in the alcohol thing, we kind of have to contend with the fact that drinking is in a lot of ways a vice. But the thing is with camera is that there's a lot of benefits as well. So it's it's not just about getting pissed. They even do things like walks and stuff. They're like right up, they'll do ramble things and they'll, they'll go from pub to pub. So you part of the camera or are you? I'm not, but I I'd like to be in later life. This right. thing, it's it's mostly old people it's mostly men as well there are a lot of women camera members that, that come in as well and you know and you do get a lot of actual ale snobs you do get a lot of people who yeah. who will you know be so I, into their i was ales. about to use quite like a well a less politically correct term but they're quite yeah they're very much the traditionalists mm. camera in all forms of sort of fluid that you know they, they they do prefer you know a lot of sort of just entirely natural processes which anything that's slightly left field or upsets the apple cart yeah, yeah I mean, it just gets annexed completely one, one of them the yeah i mean i've heard about some camera members causing problems in some places but on the whole i think it's a really positive thing like it, it combats loneliness as well yeah um and it's it's I don't know. It's it's not. It, it's all kinds of people are part of it. There's young camera members, and oh, yeah. you know, they'll go to like ale festivals and stuff. And you know, it's yeah. it's, it's not about getting, like getting pissed. No. is the important thing. I mean, I don't want people sitting. I'm not entirely knocking it at all. It's the promotion and knowledge, understanding of ales. Effectively, it's it's something that's communal. People have common interests and knowledge. Like you say, it's, it's yeah, a it's, bit more vocational with the walks and everything. Mm. And it's promoting knowledge rather than us just living as you know consumerist society where yeah. we just everything's kind of synthesized entirely we don't care how it's made we don't care how it comes to us we just neck it and don't think about it whereas at least they're thinking about the sort of the artisanal nature yeah that's the, the thing they 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 learn more about the brewing process and the whole the mm-hmm. industry in general as well and where a lot of these places come from and you know a lot of these where these beers come from are you yeah. sponsored by camera no <laughs> I'm endorsed by this board to say. Uh, it, you get cheap pints as well, which is really good. That's a, that's a bonus. Yeah. So, Zach, you actually work in a cider factory, basically. Yeah. Know the whole process because yeah. you do tours and things like that and you understand a lot of that. So, I'm in kind of interested you in this cider is obviously a very different process. Yes, uh, you corrected yeah. me earlier. Um, it's fer- fermentation rather than like, you know, distillation or any mm. other random word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other like interesting sort of alcohol thing. I mean, when so. You work at Westerns, don't you? Yes, and, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, how long have Westerns been going? And, like, what's... So that was since uh, 1878. Yeah. So that you're, was you're, when originally... You're a tour guide, aren't you? So yeah. You should, yeah, but technically we could ask you all about Henry Westerns' life. A lot, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, might be... Hopefully I'll be able to regurgitate most things. I'll be, yeah. like, sort of factually incorrect. But, yeah, yeah it was... Um, so it was 1878, and that's when a... Well, a tenant farmer, a cattle farmer at that, Mr. Mm. Henry Weston 
29-year-old bachelor, moved to a cattle farm. And he yeah, just diversified. The orchards were naturally there. Two years after moving in, 1880. Yeah. You, you were saying it was basically just his hobby for a long time. Yeah. He just was like, I'm going to make some cider in my house. You and can still it... see the, the, the stone apple press, can't you, outside? Yeah. yeah. You got the old, the old, uh, the old pier and the chase, and all you pull the, uh, your sack of apples around the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all the sort of the cliche things you'd see in the sort of the three counties in the West yeah. Coast. So, so how, yeah. how big is, like, was cider back then was has cider always been like a fixture and making yeah cider has always been a staple of um the west country and sort of like right. say the west midlands today as well 60 percent of all cider comes from that county of herefordshire in the country mm. despite a lot of people thinking it's somerset you know which is yeah. the main sort of home of scrumpies perhaps yeah, yeah. You do it's, find it's been that, a staple yeah. people were paid part wage in cider about a third of their wages and yeah, yeah. Like six pints a day on the orchards you've got to bear in mind they did this because well the, the drinking water wasn't exactly consistent yeah. in its cleanliness so now yeah. 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 I, I was gonna ask you actually because i think the rest of you guys know so kieran what is the difference between pear cider and perry isn't pear cider non-alcoholic no so pear cider is apples and pears oh. and perry is pears uh, at this point, the, our listeners have just fucking ejaculated. <laughs> oh my god! Perry's Perry's yeah. really fucking hard. Fucking hell! Fucking hell! Fucking hell! dudes to I knowledge college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love Perry. Anyway, um, Perry's nice. I'm yeah. In fact, I'm drinking a Perry right now and uh if you might be listening someone who knows it might be listening it's quite a nice one tom oliver are you sponsored by them no I'm not are we getting all. any money for this <laughs> no no <laughs> that's one. This, this is my this is my shameless plugging out no it's it's it's, it's a nice local herefordshire perry perry mm, pear based you, you made with 100 percent pear you brought me on to a point actually which is what something i want to talk about which is um i find it really nice how most good pubs will display their local brewers and their local ales and whatnot with mm. pride. Mm. So a sense of community. It is. And, it, yeah. and it's like, it's particularly with like irritating hipsters these days, it's the done thing to go check out a local pub and try the local brews or like the local. Let's go for the craft <laughs> yeah, beer. Exactly. Yeah. It's this organic bro. It's this vegan bro. And it's like, it, but I think, whilst there is that kind of trendy element to it now there's always been something really nice about going to a local pub and having a local mm. fucking beer because i include cideries as well as breweries uh, like in the in the same kind of thing but i like it's like they have stories you would associate certain imageries and stories with different kinds of alcohol and i think they sort of play into your personality so i think it's it, it's it's almost like an exercise in like crafting your own identity when you're at a bar at a pub you know, where you choose to sit and what you choose to drink, who you're going with, what kind of things you're doing. But like the way that all the, you know, the pump clips and stuff on the, on the, on the merchandising and stuff, they've all got these pretty pictures and stuff. And there's, it's like there are narratives and stories attached to a lot of these things, you know, like they've got a drink called uh, Moonshine. And it's, and it's, it's like, you know, they're trying to make out it's like been stolen from Devonshire or whatever. And it's, it's like, it's really strong cider. And it's just, you know, just. Is it a bit like when, you know, cars, car adverts where they're just trying to sell you a yeah, ethos. It's like a like, brand, yeah. It's, Foster's yeah. being Australian, even though it's not Australian. Yeah, right? yeah. It's the same fit. The one that always completely captured my imagination when I was a kid was um, Which Were Breweries Hobgoblin. And I just, mm. I was enthralled by the artwork mm. on that. I thought it was so cool when I was a kid. And like, obviously dad would let me have little sips and whatnot. But to this day, when I see the Witchwood um, logo, like, it, I don't know, it's just... 
It's yeah, really nostalgic yeah. for me. It's nice. There's a really good brewery in, in the Forest of Dean uh, called Bespoke. They've got a uh, little pump clothes, Beware the Bear. If anyone knows anything about the Forest of Dean, <laughs> who killed uh, the bear? Who killed the bear? Like, uh, we'll talk about that at some other point. But it's 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 a bit of a contentious, hold tight, ruining. Thing. <laughs> yeah, hold yeah. Like, so yeah, just like so playing around with those kinds of ideas and stuff. And just, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they've actually gone for the bear angle on that. Yeah. Well. Like, how they not have the place burnt to a fucking a cinder, burnt mm. to a cinderford. But yeah, no, I, lo- I love um, kind of checking out like local stuff as well, though. Like when we went to um, Snowdonia the other year, um, mm. we went and um, I bought uh, some of that Snowden Pale Ale um, oh, uh, yeah. just because I wanted to. I wanted to try like the local. And it seems to be quite a done thing with a lot of people, which is like if I go somewhere, I want to try what alcohol they have to offer. Mm. And they always sell it with pride. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 nice. it's, it's difficult getting a lot. Of, a lot of people say cider is a summer drink. And I, I, I'd agree with fruit cider, maybe. Fruit cider, yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, and especially like when it's, it's a chilled bottle of fruit cider, that's mm. a summer drink. But like Scrumpy, is a, that's a fucking winter drink. That'll put hairs in your oh, chest, mate. Heavy, <laughs> like, but I think cider isn't a particularly, like, particularly drank thing. Is that is that a sentence? Yeah. <laughs> it, outside of uh, a lot of these West Country places all year round. Like, you can't find, uh, you know, other than like maybe Strongbow or Magnus or something, you, you, you don't really find it in a lot of pubs. For our mm. listeners, Grillin is looking visibly distraught right now. <laughs> I saw, you, I saw you, mean some... I, you really can't get it. I've been Cumbria. <laughs> I, I saw Heaven's a fist tense. <laughs> it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Arthur, two bit. Ready to defend the yeah. cider. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It, it's a shame because, like, it, it, in, like, like saying, in the West Country in Herefordshire, it, that's like the go to drink mm. alongside, you know, like, like lager. It's, it's literally like a, it's the, replacement of lager yeah. you know, Kieran as the token guy who lived in America for a while mm. is cider do they drink cider over there at all um ye, I think you can get it but interestingly um they shot it don't they um well they fucking shots of cider I'm not <laughs> sure I didn't really Horrified. encounter it so I lived on the west coast I lived in California which is quite predominantly spirits although Guinness is also weirdly popular over there but I'll get, I'll get mm. to that in a bit it's the Irish route yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's another we'll discussion that, yeah. um, they I'm pretty sure they call it apple cider but it's basically just like non-alcoholic it's like fizzy apple juice they, but they call it apple cider over there which right, is really right. weird because um, when I like was talking um, to my ex about it um, and, and I was like saying oh do they sell cider and she's like why do you want that and she was confused while I was asking for a non-alcoholic mm. drink. So yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't think so. Maybe in other parts of America. Mm. But I'm sure there are like knockoff sort of English style yeah. places yeah, that might do probably, it. probably, probably. If you had asked for hard cider, you might have been given something different. Uh, so that's the difference in North America. You need to ask for hard cider, uh, particularly yeah. as well. The northern US states and parts of Canada um that's that's the difference there so yeah any cider by default is just a buzz with your pretty juice yeah, yeah it I, is, I, I, it is. it's like apple ties yeah. i did hear a few years back that um cider was kind of having an expansion in america it was growing in popularity i don't know if that was a fad because there's been loads of fads like the fucking uh first it was baby sham and champagne mm. then it yeah. was uh craft ales which mm-hmm. couldn't fucking move like cans of that stuff <laughs> um they still love it now man yeah, I think the, the, the fad is over, though, because now it's gins. Gin, for a brief point in the UK, became so popular that the government had to ban it because so, gin was so cheap and, and mm. so, you know, drank ubiquitously that people just, yeah, it had to get banned for a while. I can't remember when that legislation was lifted, oh, okay. but... 
Pink yeah. are, we, are we talking recent or? No, this is, oh, yeah, you've put me on the spot because I think I mentioned it last time. I can't remember what the dates were. Mm. This is probably 17, 1800s, maybe. Yeah. I can't remember. But this was a, this was a long time ago. Yeah. Not recent. Um, I was going to say, like, no. I probably would have fucking heard about gin being banned. Yeah. 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 No, it was so just around cool. The, like, Google the gin craze or something mm. like that, and you might you might find something. Yeah. But they, it's still to this day, like, gin is it's just like. Lost, I've lost words. It's really <laughs> big, popular. It's big yeah, and that's funny and cool. Pink, <laughs> cool and good. Pink gin's really popular these days, man. I mean, um, just like, like, gin and stuff it's, like that. it's yeah. a really popular drink these days. Yeah, even even the smaller pubs, like the pubs that aren't necessarily outward looking and trying to really attract people in. A lot, you know, a lot of the pubs that are happy to sort of just kind of do their own thing and not you know <laughs> we, like that. we only serve john smith's here <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah <laughs> what was, that reminds me what of the mighty boosh shout out to sang or is it he posted sort of parallel universe where everyone drinks piss bartender <laughs> what'll it be piss <laughs> i just i sat there and i just looked at that i just thought it's so obvious but so brilliant <laughs> So Connor, you've been in a lock-in before. Should we talk about what a lock-in actually is? So what is a lock-in? It's when you go to a pub and they, they've obviously gone past their licensing hours. Uh, or in some cases, I was talking to one, you know, one of the regulars at work who used to own a lot of pubs. Mm. Sometimes you'd have a lot of crackheads wandering around like on a Sunday night trying to get into pubs. So they just sack it off and they just close the curtains, lock the door pretend they were shut, all go down to the back so you weren't making much noise, turn quite a few of the lights off. And now it's, it's harder these days because obviously with the licensing laws, all the all transactions are kind of recorded. But generally they'll find some way of, they'll either just finish their drink slowly or they'll maybe put one in for tomorrow sort of thing and keep a tab. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, I've, been to, I've been to a few lock-ins. Yeah, so essentially it's when a bar or pub officially closes so they can't make any more alcoholic transactions they can't make any more transactions with the till but patrons can sometimes stay in the pub despite it being technically closed um and like you said sometimes there's like drinks sort of paid for before the official closing time so they'll sort of like prepay for some drinks yeah there'll be some sort of slightly cheeky things going on but essentially it's uh, one of the sort of loopholes of it is that you know once the licensing hours are over you can technically say it's well it's a private party so it's sort of in a way but this is only a real thing that for the most part, it's in a pub where they actually trust you and sort of are okay with hanging yeah, about with you afterwards. Mm. Most of the time, it's very clandestine. So, uh, yeah, I went to one back in uh, a while back. It was the first one I'd ever been in. And that was, that was you know, it, it's just a nice atmosphere because it's like usual boys, you know, do because we used to sit by the curtains. So we'd go, yep, sure. And we'd, and then we'd close the curtains and we, you know, we'd, we'd all know the situation or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, it'd just be like, 20 of us and we just stay there and um, we'd, we'd have a couple of drinks in already so we, we weren't technically we, they were pre-bought and again it's a bit it's a bit dodgy but it but it's it's really nice to be so into a little community and to know all the people well enough to to be able to be part of that it's hmm. it's like like i was saying it's you not only acquire the taste but you get let in to so you sort of learn it's all about maturity yeah because it originated actually back in 1914 with this act called the defense of the realm act which was a wartime thing, which was basically to restrict the hours that pubs could actually open so that they people wouldn't turn up to, um, you know, work drunk and all that sort of thing. And there just would be less boozing in general and because of the rationing and whatever. 
essentially it was because of these limited hours there would sort of be yeah this cheeky thing where they would kind of okay well we can't sell you any more alcohol guys but you know if we lock the doors and keep it all hush hush mm. and you know maybe do some transactions beforehand you know you're okay to sort of stick around and have your private party um and obviously it wasn't until i think it's 2003 licensing act that uh now pubs and bars can stay open more or less as long as they want as long as it's you know there's obviously certain um Differences they have to apply in, certain yeah, licenses. There's certain licenses. There's like extra licenses and extra charges. Yeah, and things most places like don't do it. I know. I know a um, few pubs tried trialed it and did the whole 24 hour thing. And it, it just it's not worth it. Yeah, it's got a bit like commercial viability in it. I guess so I'm, I'm guessing some of these lock-ins um, that there were just you know two of you in the corner. Otherwise, they would just say you know there's what? two of you. We're going to lose money. Fuck you know off what? and go I had, home. I had the weirdest fucking experience of a lock-in. Um, pub I'd never been into before. And I've never been to the place since, the, the town. But I went there, and I really should go back, because fucking hell. Like, we went in, and we were playing darts. And the, the owner, he'd, I think he'd had a couple, but he wasn't he wasn't pissed. Mm. He came in, he was like, oh, you guys are still here. Um, do you want another drink? And we're like, oh, yeah. He goes, he goes okay, um, I'll leave it on the bar for you. If you want, an, if you really want another one of yourself, uh, obviously I'll check, check the cameras or whatever later. I, I, I didn't see any cameras. But he was just like, I'm going to go up to bed. Um, he turned off all the lights, shut the curtains, and he was just like, help yourself to your drinks and whatever. So like, we could have gone behind the bar and just fucking yeah. drank anything. Wow. And he was, just, he was just like, the door will lock itself on the way back, on the way out. It's like, mate, I've never met you. What's going on? That is so weirdly trusting, but also... Yeah, yeah. it's like, that's, that's really cool. And so it was you and that. a friend? Was, yeah, it was me and yeah, a friend. Just and and, and, and friend. it was just us two, and we were playing darts in the dark, because obviously we had to... We had, we had like torches and shit. <laughs> Sticking out of your ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't see. We'll have to go home now. Uh. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, there's going to be some interesting effects on that. In <laughs> the edit. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Phaser and uh, I'll, I'll, be dis- I'll be disappointed if that's not edited in some way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see it in the waveform, so <laughs> easy to find. No, but then this is obviously lock-ins are a uniquely British thing. I mean, I'm guessing that this isn't like a thing in Europe. I'm, does it happen in Europe or is it? It must. I mean, the, 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 con- the concept is very, yeah, I think the, the, the idea of the, of the lock-in is more of a, as a cultural phenomenon, it's more it's more British. But you know, the te- technically that must happen the world over, hmm. you know. But the, the whole idea of, of a lock-in being like a staple thing, a thing that uh, you know, at least historically was done a lot, I think is is more British. Um, I sort of had a lock in the other day in a bar, and like I was saying, it, it, the attitude is so telling. It's so different. It, it, we're basically being herded. Yeah, it's a sort of like, okay, we're closed now, guys. Like, start making your way out. Yeah, at some start point. making your yeah. way out. But you can go towards the back and finish off your drinks quietly. And it's like, I don't, I don't really like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 I just feel like I don't know. You've overstayed your welcome. Yeah, or something. It's and it's and it's about you know being welcome. That's I think that's the, the major difference. There's being welcome in a pub, and there's being a customer, and then there's being, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Because Have you ever done a? Time. Do you do pub quizzes very often, Connor? Do I partake in them? Do you partake in the public house quiz? I dabble. Oh, I do. Yes. I do a few. Are you an av- avant quizzer? I used, I used to um, run the pub quiz at the student union bar. I used, to, I used to come up with the questions. Every week I used to make my own questions. Really? I used to make like 40 questions. Yeah. Like t- a total like waste of effort because there was only... You'd be the only cunt there answering it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, uh... And the winner for 
three consecutive wins. <laughs> no, so so they normally like literally announcing this to yourself over yeah, the yeah. Hanoi, you know. No, yeah. so there'd be there'd usually be like three teams. It's a very quiet bar, and uh, one of the teams was made up of my family and friends. So they, they'd always and two, they'd usually win because my dad. But um, they'd, it would be nice, nice little thing. They come down every Sunday, and uh, it, I remember getting a card from all the customers, all ten of them, because oh, they, they because there was only there was literally only ten customers in this whole bar. So they all signed a card and it's just like, yep, they go, that's, that's that was, job. Was this that bar that had almost nobody in it? So yeah, in a way that was 10 times more than normal. <laughs> I was yeah. say, I've yeah. never seen 10 people in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Zero times 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the uh, the um the, the, the pub quizzes came from that same thing where they were trying to get people in. It was in mm. Barnes and Porter in 1970. They came up with this idea, oh, well, why don't we just make a quiz game? Um, that will help get people. I mean, it was actually people, they actually travelled around to different pubs and bars, well, or pubs mostly in those days, and went, oh, we, we'll sell you this game that you can play on certain days and it'll bring in people. And that's, that was a business they made, selling mm. this uh, idea of the pub quiz. And so, you know, that's that was a strategy for getting people in on Mondays and all that. It definitely works. Yeah, because they're always on off-peak days. You never see a pub quiz on a Saturday night, obviously. No. It's annoying because uh, the, the situation I'm in with the, the place I work, we have a pub quiz um, and it's electronic and uh, less chance for like cheating and stuff but a lot it's quite fast and it's it's paperless and it's, there's a lot of benefits to it but obviously it attracts a, a big crowd and you get these professional quizzes that come in yeah. and they, mm. they can kind of dominate and the, the whole idea of like a professional quizzer being like one of the types of patrons you can get is very very unique and interesting thing it's just like oh Okay, here come the quizzes. It's you know, it's fucking. And they, oh just, no, what, not the quizzes! What, what, what a sight! Yeah. So, so quizzes are a British thing then, because I always assumed they were. Uh, sorry, pub quizzes. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they've obviously spread like a disease across Europe by now, but they, they're probably yeah, they probably I think they originated. In the, they've always I, struck I, me as an overtly British thing. Actually, yeah, they're, they're they not. British, they're yeah. not common in America. I've spoken to, oh, a, few, I've spoken to a few Americans. They never do them. I've never seen them, yeah. and it's kind of bizarre because it's, it's not. It's not a particularly like you know difficult concept to implement and get around you know, I think get they run around. quizzes but not like we do not where everyone gets absolutely smashed and just like do you know what I mean there's something quite special about a British pub quiz it's the way, it's the way all the all the teams are like banter with each other in the intervals and stuff yeah exactly yeah. It's, it's, it's apart nice... from the quizzes whose trousers like pulled up above their belly button <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a bunch of really interesting ethical elements to working in a pub and because obviously when you think about it a pub is basically just a big building that enables people's vices mm. it's strange that there are any really rules at all like obviously if someone's too drunk you can't serve them that's very clear in law in the whole in the whole like don't do drunk policies and a lot of pubs really try and crack down on it a lot of pubs have very strict limits the, you know some places would even have i think it's more of an american thing but they'll, they'll have like a, like a four drink limit or something which oh, really well. Yeah. Does that also count for the type of drink? So it would be like you can only have this many of this. Well, it, it's measures and so single quintuple vodkas. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have a bucket of beer. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say like you should, there's going to be a loophole there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, no. Just drink um, gin all night. Like. No, no, it's, it, it would probably be in measures and they'd work it out like that. Um, it's not many places that do do that. It's just you know it, it could be an effective way to kind of tackle like binge drinking and. But it, for most places, like where you work it's more just eyeballing it it's like you've this mm. guy's had enough this guy's had enough just yeah behavior is a, a, a big thing have you guys ever stood at a bar is that like is that what you do when yeah, you go into a bar yeah not not just to order but to, like to stay and stand at it yeah, yeah. 
for men. I mean, the only place I've done it is with you at the SU bar because I just know people at the SU bar. But yeah, yeah. like as as nice as it is to like find a booth and sit there and kind of you know knuckle in and just have a few drinks with with friends, or whatever. And, like stare at strangers, give them weird looks if they come near. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, you would do it, stand, standing at bars is, is basically the phys- the physical bar is just like the most interesting part of a pub. Like if if it was in a time capsule and we we found out like oh. You know, two hundred years ago, people used to do this. We'd be like, "Well, that's that's really interesting." I- Will they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. I think there's going to be some slightly more interesting things. Oh my like god! I, I, I was trying to figure that one out. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not talking about sitting at the bar. I'm on about the bar itself and all the elements that that surround the bar. Oh right, so like kind of. Like I the think that's going to stick around things around them. Yeah, no, no, I do. But I, I, what I'm saying is, uh, I think we take for granted like all the little quirks and things that go into especially older bars like all- when yeah when we've all got like eight eyes and we're like nine foot tall and like blue then yeah maybe we'll be like whoa they used to sit at like, these things called bars avatar five yeah literally this is james cameron's <laughs> next script <laughs> so well i mean sitting at the bar is like it's just a communal thing but i think for most people it's like the trouble is most of the people sitting at the bar, there's obviously a massive age gap between yeah, us like, and so yeah, people. like 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 I say, you have to, you have to kind of have a way in. But once you have that way in, once you're part of that community, it's you know it's 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 so much more rewarding than just going to the back of the pub straight away. Being able to to stand at the bar, it's like I don't know. I I find it fascinating anyway. Like fucking like coat hooks underneath and shit. Like the fact the fact they have to like l- lock down the charity boxes and stuff. So that people don't fucking run off with charity money, mm. yeah. Just you know, like the, even behind the bar, you, know, you got like speed racks and things, and it's at the bell as well. I just find it interesting. Yeah, the last orders bell. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you guys know the law around like last orders and? No, go for it. Go. For, is it anything to do with like town charter? Chant. You know those like mayors when they go through the towns. Criers. Like, hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, yeah criers. criers. That's the one. What? Nothing to do with that, is it? A town crier. The yeah. guys that used to ring the bell, he's asking, is there anything to do with that? It's not no. the same thing. It's like, last orders, bell. No, it's, just, it's just literally so people can hear. Yeah. Because it's a loud noise. Because obviously, yeah. back in well, the day. Uh, yes, yeah, back in the day. Related, I guess. Yeah, back in the day, you could. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bells were like the thing to do, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Because like, the only if you way. You want to be loud and obnoxious, get a bell. The only, yeah, exactly. It's the only way you can before, make a noise. Yeah, before megaphones. Before Vuvuzelas. Yeah, literally. Before you could go. You had to go. Actually, that's not a very good bell noise, is it? No. Oh, I did. I, I, I was wondering what that was. Bell noise, and, <laughs> as if well, I made no. it. Whoa! I just I did a perfect bell noise there. That's amazing. Hang on, that was the wrong one. That was a reception hotel bell. I'll try. I'll try a better one. <laughs> All right, there we go. That, that was better. That's a better impression of a bell. Fucking hell. I can't, like, wait to show, like I can't wait to method, show. I can't wait to show this your future wife, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Bell oh, impression. Your future wife, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I've, uh, I've uh, already <laughs> fucked that one up, mate. <laughs> That's a timeline that's sealed off now. <laughs> right. So, so how? So right. Yeah. Um, last orders. Was it, is it just like you got like a cutoff point of there's an hour? Is it like a time frame thing? Or well, it, yeah. Like, so so when bars call time. So you got you obviously got last orders first, mm. so chance to get a swift drink in. But then after after the cutoff point, you can literally start checking people out. It's been a long time since uh, pubs have had to have a, a mandatory drink up time afterwards, like a twenty minute period where people can finish their drinks. It, it's fifteen minutes legally in Scotland, but it's not legally defined in the UK, so they can ignore it. So okay. t- technically, people could serve you a drink at eleven fifty nine and then kick you out a minute later. 
pubs can refuse service for any they have the right to with like no explanation mm. sometimes it's like sort of like bouncers they can just like check you out not you let you in just because they don't like the look with, of with you. barring people they have to have a, more of a reason but refusing service they i you know say if i'm if i'm serving someone i can just go i don't want to <laughs> you, i mean that's that shit business don't like and, the look of you yeah. son. and i'd get <laughs> Mate, in trouble cast that in so i'd get much. in trouble you know what i mean i'd get in trouble with my manager and it'd be shit business but technically it can it's, it's the yeah. same with a lot of um but especially you know obviously you're serving alcohol you're right there well alcohol. i was just going to quickly ask and sorry to cut in but uh, yeah, if yeah. either of you two worked in, in a pub before not really no mm, not really yeah. no you say not really no i did like a Thing. I did a training thing at a bar like once I just hated it so I was like fuck this didn't do it so I didn't really know yeah. just a couple of like shifts down like a local pub I remember yeah. down to I remember where I was the boozer yeah age 12 okay now I was just curious to see who'd actually like work behind a bar here or not because I, I, I wasn't sure if it was just me and Connor or... I can say I've done like a couple of full shifts pretty much before but okay. really not like a seasoned veteran at it at all Mom. Yeah, there's a whole lot of like subjectiveness to how you deliver your service, isn't there? Like, you definitely do have to kind of your own kind of judge of character, your own yeah. judge of morals well, come into it a lot. Yeah, this is the thing. So when when you're preventing somebody from doing harm to themselves, we're, we're really talking about acute harm. We're talking about immediate harm. Like they can't fucking stand. But at the pub industry is more than happy to kind of long term do considerable harm but i think the, the major difference is one is an informed choice because it's a lifestyle i'm talking about drunks not just not just regulars people who are just drinking to, to die sort of thing i think that's i think it gets murkier because you're effectively you have to judge a lot more it's, it's very easy to see when somebody's you know just pissed up and obviously, yeah, one one is informed and consensual. It's 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 somebody coming in on their own steam, day after day. But it just it just seems weird for the because obviously there's it's very little difference in some respects. This whole we're, yeah, we're more than happy to let people do massive long term harm to their bodies over and over again. Yeah, driving themselves into an early grave. But if someone has a bit of sick in the corner, it's like oh, we'll get out. Oh, you know what I mean. It's because, like, they're not necessarily, at least I don't think in the eyes of the law, they're not liable for somebody's long-term health conditions. But if somebody's so drunk that they fall over and crack their head open in the bar or something like that, even if they're not going to get in trouble for it, suddenly the police are turning up. Do you know what I mean? It's more hassle mm. than it's worth. Mm. So it's, it's that kind of pseudo-care. It's that they yeah. don't really give a fuck. They, they're just meeting, they're, they're box-ticking. That's all they're doing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's just strange because it's under the language of obviously like oh we, you know, kind of have it, looking after people's welfare kind of thing. <laughs> Do they fuck? Yeah. Mm. Of course they phrase it like that though. Yeah, it's it's no different to gambling. It's like the please gamble responsibly that you see at the mm. bottom of gambling adverts. They don't give a fuck. They want well, you to gamble. Oh, Jesus Christ! Money. They yeah. want that money. They're just, it's just a box ticking exercise, and it's the same thing with the throwing out people that are drunk. Because if they don't do that. A, potentially they could fuck up their gaff. They could have like some fucking pissed South Wales bird chucking up everywhere and they don't want that. <laughs> but they're it. quite happy for her to die at home of liver failure. Like they don't, do you know mm. what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind, you know. So when, when you worked in a bar, did you ever twat tax someone? Twat tax. <laughs> I've never is... heard that phrase before, but I know exactly what you're on mm. about. I've never done it, but um, I know a lot of pubs 
a lot of people that work in pubs do do it. I've, I have seen it before. Yeah, charging them more because they're being a cunt, right? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've never done it personally, um, but I've definitely, like, punished people for being knobheads uh, mm. before. Like, if um, somebody's, like, kind of clicking their fingers at me or whatever, I've, I've kind of, like, walked up to them, looked straight at them so they know I've seen them, and then walk off and go and serve someone else. And like, Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, which... There are ways, there are ways around it without, you, you're, you're essentially stealing, but it's like, there's no benefit. No. It's literally just spite. So you, you don't spite. get the money that the company does. I, I, I know, I know you've got it. it yes. Yeah. Right. I know you've got it. You've got to kind of be in that mindset of, well, the, the company's money is my money because it's my job security and everything, you know, as, as an ideal worker in a job. But it just seems like, because they could just look at, look at, a, ask for a receipt later and be like, oh, hang on, I've got change. Exactly, right. no. And it's, it's just, yeah, it just seems like, you know, just reprimand someone. Just be like, if someone starts clicking at you or just being really annoying, just be like, you know, or like t- taking way too long, not interested. You know, we had, had a big group of 20 people the other day and they were just not concerned that I was actually doing labor for them, you know. It, it, and I had to keep getting their attention. I had to keep, I literally leaning over because it was so loud. I think going, you, come on, your next order. I, I've got, I've made you six drinks already. And you, you, you know, you haven't got your order ready. You're not, you're not ready. You don't, you don't care that I'm running around for you. No. And it's like, but the last thing I want to do is just, oh, I'm going to just out of spite, just make you pay more than you should. It's like, that's, oh, I don't get anything from that. That's the thing though. I think most people that do bar work don't like it though. Uh, like I hated it and everyone I worked with hated it as well. Like, really? Not to discredit people. I know you enjoy what you do and I'm not trying to, you know, piss on that, but where both the places, so I worked at a hotel and what's another hotel actually it was a country club golf club right um oh yeah those, those are the yeah, two times i've worked at bars so speech house hotel and the forest of dean and bell's golf club oh, served um, by you there it's actually yeah, yeah fancy there yeah mate you used to do the old glass flips yeah. and all that yeah did like, you pretty, dressed pretty, up smart i was pretty edgy that. yeah just yeah. not like a scumbag for once it was nice yeah. um but yeah i i just hated it and as a result of that i think that hate just leaked over into customers. If I was in a job that I was actually passionate about and I mm. really liked, I think the the proclivities to kind of engage in spiteful behaviour towards someone that's mm. in you perceive to have done a misjustice. Um, I, yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening to myself, like um, working in retail. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, I, I, when I worked in retail, I was like, no, I have to, I have to kind of get out of this because it's 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 making me resent people <laughs> most of my life because i'm like most of my life i'm spending there or you know getting ready for work or thinking about work and it's like if i resent that part it's like it's gonna leak into how i treat other people and how i conceptualize myself it's like i also want to be myself at work i want to yeah have that sense of self-identity that's that's not because i've talked about this way back but um like in the first episodes and stuff but they tell when you are working you effectively assume another identity you, you, you or at least elements of your identity are restricted so yeah the more the more freedom you can express in a job and the more that job speaks to you the the better you're gonna feel ultimately it's like it's, some people can just kind of put their head down and do it but i i really can't so you know like like i like i've said i mean i i get fucking fascinated about coat hangers on bars and stuff and fucking you know the fact that like in charity boxes are chained down and just little elements and stuff like I'm, I'm obviously infatuated with pubs and what they kind of do for communities and do for i don't know why but i, I just always have been 
So, uh, you know, being able to just go to work and, and be part of that is, it, it's just a lot, a lot better than running around a warehouse or whatever. Yeah. Like I was doing before. I, I think um, what I've observed, I've been to many a public house over the year, I like to think, and I've observed happy pubs and sad pubs, which mm. is where you go to some pubs, there's a lovely atmosphere. There's a lovely dynamic between the people ordering and the people serving. The people serving seem to like what they do. They're good at their craft. You get some of those bar people that are so passionate about it, you know, mm. and they, they 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 do all the fucking tricks. Or they well, this the is, gift this the is what I mean. So just just by virtue of like f- for how it fundamentally kind of works, you're gonna have like things like beer mats, things like straws. But then you also get this extension where people are doing little tricks and shit with them. And it's the way that all these little rituals have evolved around like I said, the physical bar, and it's like, it's, and it's about that dynamic as well, like, on one side you have this fucking, you know, order and everything, and on the other side it's just complete fucking chaos, and it's just, it's just this really weird kind of thing, and, it, and it's so hard, it's so easy to get wrong, like, I've, I've worked in really shit pubs in the past, mm. where that, that whole line isn't respected, or the whole, you know, these people do that, and the, and the punters do, do what they do, and, you know, there's no, there's no passion or interest. I, I heard a really good, um, thing the other day, uh, I poured a pint that was a bit too heady. Pint of Guinness. Mm. Big, big head. And someone said, it, apparently this is like a well-known phrase back in the day, and it's one of those old pub things. Someone went, oh, the vicar's in, because it's the collar. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Just little things like that. It's like, yeah. Too much head. Mm. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to that bar, like downtown? That's what's so cool, man. Just so cool. The yeah. strawberry daiquiris are just amazing, like avocado <laughs> uh, martini. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Avocado, avocado martini. Avocado martini. I'm trying to do an American accent. It just fucking oh my God, slips into so Herefordian. You know avocado. Like, <laughs> like those really like noxious, like Californian sort of. Like ones, I, like the other ones are just like really annoying. Like, oh, right. I've just, I just remembered the best thing. The only thing I can ever fucking remember from shooting stars. It was <laughs> <one of> the- <laughs> I thought you were about to talk about the topic.